And welcome to First City Forum, my friends. My name is Catherine Tatsuda, and I am so thankful to be here with all of you today. I was doing a training last week, Wednesday, Thursday, and uh, Friday, all about learning how to teach financial education to uh, Native communities to build healthier families. And so I wasn't able to be on the show. Big thanks to Cole for stepping in and filling in. In for me. But I am back. I'm here today with my friend, new friend. We've kind of known about each other, seen each other at different points in time around town. Um, and But we didn't actually meet till just not that long ago. I have mental health <laughs> counselor Brittany Pope on the phone with me. Hello, Brittany. How are you today? Hi there. I'm Hi. good. How are you? I'm it's doing... weird not being in the studio with you. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, I'm doing really well. I'm thankful that the sun is shining. It's, it's oh. warm. Warmer today than it has been, and so, and I'm not sick anymore, so things are good. (laughs) Oh man, I know we were just talking about that before the show started of this nasty cold that's kind of like COVID, but it's a cold. Right. There's other things out there. Yeah, I was so confused last week. So I had that big training, so I wasn't able to host the show. Um, And, but I was also like super sick. And I had one of my friends' families had like had COVID and I haven't had it yet, which is, I feel pretty lucky. I'm knocking on wood right now. And, um, but, and then I started to like get a runny nose and Uh, all the things. And I was like, oh my gosh, oh no, I think I have COVID. So I like dragged myself around I went and like masked up put bought some home tests and those kept yeah. coming back negative and I was like I must be doing something wrong so I went down to the ferry terminal and that one came up negative I was like all right I guess I just have a cold it's yeah it's amazing when you do the home test versus when you go to the ferry one and the ferry one's like the end-all be-all right like, okay someone else swabbed my nose yeah so exactly <laughs> I couldn't have done it wrong or they didn't do it wrong <laughs> right that's great that's your one job yeah 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 so yeah so I I woke up this morning and was like headed to work and I got an email from you that said hey my kids are sick blah 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 I can't come in can we call in and like this is just such the world that we live in though you know yes. yeah yep. yeah 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 yeah, like you said, you were sick. I was sick last week, and then now it's passing through my family, and it's not COVID either. I was mm-hmm. like you, at-home test and then a, a official test. But, yeah, you know, and you bring up a, a, an interesting point, too. It's like we ha- – I feel like there was this culture of I have to go to work sick. Yes. I, you know, first entered the workforce. Yes. Um, and now I think there is a little bit more of an understanding of, like, hey, we've got to do something virtual or, you know, I, I – I can't do it today. And I, mm-hmm. I think that there's becoming more of an understanding, but there's still this other space of like the guilt yeah. factor of being a working parent yes, and not being able to show up for everybody. Yes. And this is, uh, that is a really interesting point to bring up because when I entered the workforce and then even, I mean, forever, it was like, well, I just have to go to work. I just have to power through. It's okay. And there was never like up until the last, I'm going to say, I don't know, five or six years when I was running Tatsudas, there started to become more as I was like reading publications about, um, you know, organizations and employers, there was starting to become more of this of this idea of, you know, having people not come in when they were sick so they didn't spread germs. And especially if you're in food service, you, um, you know, if you had any type of stomach bug, you totally couldn't do it. But like when I was running the store, it was really this, um, it was hard to like make that call because we're like, well, no, people have to be here. You have to be here all the time. So it is such a different world now, you know? Yeah. No, it totally is. And I, you know, something you and I had talked about, um, I don't know if it was via email or even just in in our just various conversations of what we should talk about is the, you know, there's a big shift too in um, how, how we're able to juggle life, right? Mm-hmm. With kids and, and not have the adequate support. I mean, yeah. a lot of our town, and I shouldn't say a lot, we're, you know, we're a seasonal tourist town and I, you know, a lot of folks aren't from here or don't have family from here. And I know, for me, I rely on our daycare provider a right. lot. Right. And I know COVID has really, like, you know, if you're 
provider has COVID, then everything shut down for five to ten days. Yeah, depending on whatever the recommendations are of the week. Um, yeah, <laughs> and there's this huge pandemic going on in Ketchikan in childcare. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had centers shut down. We don't have a, as much of an option. And so people are really either having to quit their jobs, which I think is another reason why you see all these jobs open. Right. Um, and it's really hurting people's, you know, mental and physical health. Um, yes, yes. To not have that support. Yes, 100%. I know that I've been, it's been kind of bubbling, brewing in Ketchikan for a while, at least because I'm, so we're both working parents and mm-hmm. um, and my, my children are teenagers now, but you have young ones still. So you really rely heavily on, on daycare. Um, and so you've really experienced it, but, you know, kind of in my world, I've just heard a bit of like grumblings and, you know, things like that happening. And I was at, I helped to host the um, job fair that happened back in May that the Ketchikan Wellness Coalition put on. And one of the bigger uh, local daycare providers was like, she was looking for so many people to come and work for her because they didn't have, she didn't have enough staff. And then I talked to her and then I was out and about talking with other people. And I was, you know, I'd heard that they had had to let, they couldn't watch like 23 children anymore Mm -hmm. because they weren't properly staffed yeah like yeah that's hard to believe I know another location closed because of that also I mean so it's um and there's just this massive like trickle down effect ripple effect and then when you are the parent like you are you were saying that your daycare provider had um gotten covid they had to close like um just last week I mean Talk about how, like, how did that make you feel? Like, and what did you do to help to get through that? You know? Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine, you know, if I didn't have the, my husband and I have the kind of the, I guess, should say luxury um, or maybe privilege to, he's got a flexible schedule in the sense where he's either off in the mornings or off in the afternoon. So we kind of, I'll just move my schedule around and, and I'll take the children for half the day and he takes them for the other half or vice versa mm-hmm. or I'll stack another day that he's off or whatever. So we, we aren't, I think, uh, you, know, up the creek, you know, up the river without a paddle, but there are a lot of families that if daycare is closed, like they both work nine to five. Right. Pretty strict jobs that don't, you know, need them to be there. Right. Um, and, you know, and I know I've worked with people in the past too that like have constant daycare issues and it, then it turns into a performance issue, and then it's like, hey, like, I can't help this, but yeah. you can't, you, you, I mean, when you don't have a consistent provider or during COVID times, people haven't been able to be consistent because of COVID, because um, it's a pretty intimate space when you're watching someone's kids, and if you have COVID, you don't want to mix the two, obviously. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, I, you know, it is a really, I, I, the interesting, and I don't, think there's obviously been research done on this, but it'd be interesting to see research done on the impact on COVID and daycare. Mm Because I know that we've had daycare shut down even during COVID because of people retiring. You know, Mm -hmm. were those people going to retire during that year or did COVID kind of make them be like, okay, we're done? Um, So it is an interesting... So how my husband and I feel, I think it's probably a little bit different. I mean, the inconsistency is really hard. Yeah, And obviously for me, I have to... I'm the only person that can see the people that I see in my right. caseload. Um, so it stresses me out a little bit. I'm constantly apologizing to my clients because I'm just like, oh, my gosh, another kid's sick. Right. And my husband and I try to do the best of, you know, I, I, I'm i taking today off. He's taking tomorrow off or whatever to try to mitigate that. But we're just both lucky we have jobs that support that mm-hmm. and not everybody does mm-hmm. and not a and I you you probably could say the same for I'm gonna guess the same for you too you seem to have a very supportive employer I do um, and my and my work is flexible so um, I don't have to like I'm able to work from home when I need to or if I choose to which is um, but I know that there are many 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 people who who are not able to do that and um, and that and I've been in that world before and I, and I can't even imagine trying to navigate it now and the pressures of it and how challenging and, and difficult that would be. So as, you know, like a mental health counselor, is there just a couple of things that might help people to like cope with that or, you know, like without 
too specific because I know everybody has different circumstances, but is there something that people can do just to help to get through this and ease that pain some? Yeah, gosh, it's such a hard question because it is so specific. But I think the first thing is, is find a good friend support group. And and what I mean by that is, like, we have a great, um, my husband and I have a great, like, friend support group that I could be like, hey, can you take this kid and can you take this kid? Um, now, that's not a consistent thing, obviously. Right. But if you have, like, friends that are, like, family, that can be kind of the backup for you. Um, the other thing that has really worked out for, like, I think my clients and honestly for me, too, is having backups. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, you know, we, we have had the same backup child care provider since my son was a month um, old. And, unfortunately, she's getting ready to go to college, and that's really uh, sad. Yeah. Um, but she's been a great backup because can- school was canceled so much in 2020 and 2021. Oh, so my gosh. She was able to, like, help us a little bit more. Uh-huh. Um, so we had a really unique situation. But I would say, like, build in backups, backup plans. Yeah. Um is the biggest thing. And then also, like, you know, there are, um, I think with COVID, one of the things that had happened with FMLA is that you're able to take off to, to take care of a family member, oh, um, a sick family member. And so I would ask your employer about the benefits there because every employer has different, like, they have to follow the guidelines of FMLA, but they can kind of regulate it a little bit differently on how they issue it. Yes. Um, and so maybe looking into something like that where it's like, hey, until I get really solid daycare, can I work a modified schedule? Yes. Um, if that's financially, and then the other piece is that's not always financially possible for people. Right. Um, and so it's it, it really does put people, and I think it's sh- shown a light on the, the cracks in our daycare system. Mm-hmm. Um, and something maybe our city and borough should look into of how to may- maybe make more incentives to incentivize daycares and, or like providing. I don't. I don't know what they could do because obviously I've not even taken it to them. But <laughs> right. how can our city support that? <laughs> right. You know, how can they support incentivizing like more benefits for daycare providers? Yeah. Um, and things like that. I know they're doing that in other cities, and um, I guess we could see how it shakes out for them because. It is, it is It is. an issue, and there might be just, it, what's happening is people are going to have to quit their job. Right. And that's kind of the real, reality of it. Well, and, is, it's, and it's already happening. Uh, yeah. That's that's a real thing. That That is already happening, whether they have to or they're choosing to. And that's, it really is like this, this big ripple effect. Like one thing is impacting another is impacting another. And yep. this is one of the pieces that, you know, the, the lack of child care for families, um, individuals, like if they can't have their child cared for so that that they can work or it's not affordable for them, which was an issue before, um, then like they can't work. And, you know, so we're facing this big and it's not just us. Um, I was just a couple of weeks ago, I I was up in Girdwood for the Alaska Credit Union annual conference. And um, it was my first time up there sitting in a room. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It was just incredible, gorgeous, peaceful, everything I needed. And, um, and then I went to some like sessions too with economists and different people. So, you know, sitting in a room with all of these financial services professionals and, um, and, you know, so an economist was talking about how the economy is doing as a whole, um, and, you know, kind of projecting into what might happen over the next few years. And there was a lot of talk about, you know, what's happening with what's, you know, the great resignation, or some people are calling the great awakening. And, you know, what are the different factors that are causing this? Like, why are people not working? And that lack of childcare, um, daycare is closing, inconsistencies, that's one of the main drivers of it. It's really mm-hmm. fascinating. And it's just like one thing after another like who would have thought this would have happened yeah it's yeah it's a really I, I think the pandemic did a lot of things for our society it, it woke us up in a lot of different ways to like taking care of ourselves I've never seen so many people becoming self-employed and, and even mm. in Ketchikan mm-hmm. so many businesses opening up in the middle of a pandemic yeah um, so I think people are seeing the value of being able to kind of live in their own value set and maybe their values didn't align with the employers or, mm-hmm. you know, and I think it's becoming 
it's kind of a weird, it's a weird time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's like the perfect word, the perfect little phrase. Yeah. It's just a weird time. It is, because I remember when I was, when I was coming out and it was the recession uh-huh. and I was trying to find a job, it was like, it was like not a uh, job applicants market. Like it was, yeah. there was very limited options right. and like what I did get was not really what I wanted, but right. I did it anyway to get experience. And now I feel like there are so many opportunities that and very little applicants. Yes. So it's definitely a weird shift. But yeah. again, you bring up a good point of if there's not enough childcare, if there's not enough, you know, for getting better options to be self-employed, you know, what's the benefit of working for someone else besides mm-hmm. the insurance and things like that? Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole nother conversation, yeah. you know? <laughs> We could go down the rabbit hole with that We one. could, because you, I mean, you have your own practice, is that right? I do, yeah. yeah. I, um, I worked for a local entity for the last three years, and um, I decided that when I had my second son, that I wanted more time with my kids. Mm-hmm. And well, I got it. They're sick. Of course, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> but I think that's kind of where people are, you know, and if daycare still matters for us, because we still both work, I should say, full-time. Mm-hmm. Um but I have the freedom to, to be able to say, you know what, I'm going to keep them home for the day. Yeah. I don't have any clients or whatever. Um, so that was really important to me. And I think that's the other piece is the value set that we bring to our families are the ones we also want to get from work. Yeah. And that's become to the forefront, I think, during the pandemic, too. Yes. Yes. Opinion. Yeah, I agree with you. I did a business power hour uh, at the Commons. So my main job is um, I work for Tonga's Federal Credit Union and I oversee all of the programming that we do through um, our community business development center. And one of those pieces of programming is uh, these free educational little seminars that we do. And I did one last, I think it was in November, and it was all about like, um, well, it was about how to hire and retain quality people. And I talked significantly about this, this, you know, this great resignation or the great awakening, however it is that you, you know, you want to phrase it. And, and that's one of one of the big pieces was that, you know, like, when I, I was I was putting together some statistics and, and talking and it was like sixty two percent of employees were unengaged in their jobs. You know, and and they just weren't interested. They didn't like what they were doing. They weren't happy with the leadership. The the mission and the values of the companies didn't match with them, but they stayed because it was comfortable and they knew what they were getting and the job market mm-hmm. was limited. There wasn't a lot of options. And now here we are, you know, COVID happened um, and, and now we're in this this place where people are saying, oh, family's more important than like grinding myself to the bone every single day and like missing out on all this time with them. I like working from home or I don't like it, but I'd rather do something else. So there's definitely a shift in like mindset and thinking and people like COVID forced us to shut down, to slow down. And now people are like, yeah, I'm not, lots of people are like, I'm not super excited to jump back into that grind again. Yeah, I, I think, and it, you know, the grind is such a hard word because I think culturally we work, our value is in our job. I mm-hmm. mean, think about when you first meet someone, it's, you know, what do you do? What's, what's your occupation? Right. What do you do for a living? You know, we put a lot of value in that. Um, I mean, imagine walking up to someone and saying, hi, I'm Catherine. What are your values? Right. Gosh, how different would that shift the, the connection, yeah. right? Um, and so we really look at, like, what do we do as a badge of honor mm-hmm. um, versus who we are as people? And, and I, those are intertwined. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I see lots of people who cope with their job. You know, we cope with the stress with our job um, or cope with the stress in our life with our job. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when the we had a collective trauma during COVID together, you know, we were all going through trauma together as a society. Um, we realized, like, there's more to life than just working 40, 50, 60 hour weeks. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, I think, opened us up to more self-care and making prettier lawns for our health yeah. because we had more time, <laughs> right? you know, enjoying our spaces. And I, that's why you saw the, you know, the housing market or the housing um, 
renovation market kind of go up in, you know, Mm -hmm. price because everybody was like, wow, I'm going to actually put time into my home and really enjoy my space. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, it's very interesting now where I think we're more values focused and people don't want to be worked to the brim. You see more people setting boundaries. Mm Mm-hmm in their workplace, which I, I love when people set boundaries. I celebrate it. I love when people set boundaries with me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's hopefully the, the leadership one you brought up earlier, I think it's so important. A bad leader or actually a bad manager right. who's not a leader right. can have employees leave in a second. Oh, a good leader yep. who's a bad manager, like might not be good at the day-to-day, but might be very motivational and lead and be yep. great can keep employees. Yep, exactly. I, I, I think that we have a lot of, we, you know, we, when we look at kind of this, where we are in a rural island, sometimes the wrong people get put in the wrong places. Mm-hmm. And it, it just can create sort of this very quick, this negative air. And it, this can happen anywhere. Yes. Um, when you have a smaller pool, it just happens quicker. Um, and yeah. I, like, I loved where I worked before, um, my private practice. I never, I did not leave because I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved what I did. They, they carved out a specific, but that was also in the leadership, mm-hmm. um, for me. It right. wasn't in the actual job. And so you're right where leaders make a job. They uh, really, really do. They really, really do. And I love that you that you made that distinction between when you you said, you know, bad leader, and then you corrected yourself and you said, oh, no, a bad manager, because there is a, a, a really large distinction between between managing and leading and being able to, you know, work with people and inspire them and get them to, you know, to work towards that shared vision versus mm-hmm. that manager who is just worried about, you know, productivity and what you're doing and oftentimes is put into that place because they've been there the longest or they're the best at the job or like the best at doing the work, but not necessarily the best at knowing how to work with the people. Um, Yeah, yeah, I've spent a lot of time in the, well, you know, running, like running the business and learning how to be a strong manager, learning how to be a strong leader, all of those things. Like I've spent much of my life in that world and then also just working with professionals in it. And it's, it is, it, it's not just here, it's across the, it's across the globe in business especially unfortunately what would you say here's me asking you a question Mm -hmm. so you know with all your experience and you know um we're kind of talking about the pandemic the daycare just Mm -hmm. kind of it all kind of blew up everything and we're kind of re-looking at values and everything what would you say makes a good leader during the pandemic during, Isn't that a weird question? Yeah, like what? Cause I don't think that's different for people. Yeah, I don't think that that's a weird question at all. It's um, it's a hard question to answer because, like, what makes a good leader in one capacity is different from what makes a good leader in a different capacity. Um, so let's say somebody is uh, somebody is like the leader of a small business versus they are a leader on the city council or something. Okay, but overall, yeah. overall, that I mean, a good leader is somebody who actually did a, a Tony Robbins big training with uh, with some stuff, and I loved I loved their her definition of um, the trainer's definition, if I can remember it pers- exactly. But so a good leader is somebody who recognizes how things are and what's going on, but also still sees that things can be better, and um, and then has the ability to work with their people to help them through it. So it takes somebody who has empathy and compassion and recognizes that everybody is struggling um, and talks with people and recognizes the challenges. But then also we still think about like, this isn't going to always going to be like this. So that's, I mean, that would be, that's my simple definition off the top of my head. That put you on the spot there. And, you know, I wanted to ask you that because when I look at a good leader in a mental health sense and a mental health lens, it's, someone who's recognizing their emotion mm-hmm. and able to circle back. Yep. And you and you and you said that in just a different way. And yeah. so 
Yeah, and the and you know one of the qualities of a strong leader is that self awareness. You know, like how are you doing? You know, where are you at? What are your emotions? And then how can you manage yourself while influencing other people while working on solving these problems while having empathy while doing all of these different pieces when you're you yourself are frightened or can't find daycare or are understaffed or whatever you know well we don't take and that kind of goes back to that that place i think we talked about honestly the last one was on with Mm self-care and it's it's it goes back to that place of if you're not taking care of yourself you're not going to be able to take care of your kids and you're going to be able to take care of your job and your, you know, vice versa. It all starts right. with us. Right. And it's a big commitment to, you know, say, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a parent. I'm going to be a working parent. Mm-hmm. And I think stay-at-home parents are also working parents. Mm-hmm. don't want to, you know, I think we, people um, stigmatize, negatively stigmatize sometimes stay-at-home moms or stay-at-home dads. And I think that's just as hard of a job as you know, working yeah. 40 hours a week. Have you, have you ever been? Did you, were you ever stay at home parent? So I was with Noah, my oldest, I was with him for the first seven months of his life. Okay. Um, I, but I worked remotely because of COVID. Ah, uh, okay. So I wouldn't say it was full stay at home, but yeah. Combo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you were, right? I was, yeah. I was a stay-at-home mom for several years. So I had three babies in three years. I had, like, spent my whole world. I was just, I just worked. I worked and worked and worked and worked and worked. And then, um, and then I, like, had a, ma- a major back injury that caused me to not be able to work. And then I had my daughter. And so then I went back to work. And I was like, yeah, I'm working, 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 you know, 60 hours a week or whatever with this little baby and then I had baby number two and my doctor I went to the doctor a couple weeks before she was born and the doctor was like um you need to stop working (laughs) (laughs) and um because she was like you are too pregnant to be doing this and so and so I stopped and I like spent time with my with my my oldest daughter who was a little over she was not quite one and a half and then I was about to give birth and I was like oh my gosh like I'm missing all this like time and and experiences with them I'm just going to be a stay-at-home mom and I ended up doing that for three or four years and it was probably the hardest thing that I've ever done the best thing Mm -hmm. that I could have done for myself um, and for my I mean, for my kids, yeah, but also just for me, because I because I learned so much about myself and I made incredible friendships and everything. But really, holy smokes, it is hard, especially with little, little, little children, Mm -hmm. because you don't have that interaction. I would rely really heavily on my husband um, at the time to like, you know, I'd be like, where are you? Why aren't you home yet? Um, And it was, I mean, so very isolating and lonely. Yeah. Well, yeah. speaking of um, stay-at-home moms or just moms, new mom support group, um, Ketchikan Wellness Coalition is going to be sponsoring, and I'm going to be co-leading a um, new mom support group. Yeah. And we're going to be doing it July 28th at, I think it's at noon at the at the pilot house. Oh, oh, nice. So um, it's either at noon or 10. Just be on the lookout for that on okay. Mama's Coalition's Facebook page because clearly I'm the best. Uh, wait, it's in my calendar. Come oh, it's on. in your calendar. Check it. Um, check it. I'm like, no yes. one's told me about this. I'm supposed yes. to know about what's happening at the pilot yes. house. Don't tell my boss. If you're listening, oh, I, oh, we, it, and you we know, haven't told anybody yet. No, we I'm haven't sorry. told anybody. This is just a private conversation between you and I, so we're <laughs> fine. <laughs> Potentially pending location at the pilot house. Okay. Because um, I think we're trying to find a location. So yes. I think uh, KWC is working on on reaching out. Oh yeah. Oh okay. Perfect. I will shoot to? Kristen an email because I know. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, July twenty eighth at ten a.m. Oh, okay. Um, or noon. Oh my goodness. Yeah. This is white mom brain. That's so right. July twenty eighth noon. Potential location: the Pilot House Coffee. Catherine's got that on her radar to yep. confirm. Yep. I sure um, will. A new mom support group. So That's we are wonderful. Super excited to do that. Yeah, because again, we go back to working moms. We go back to lack of daycare. You know, to be able to provide something where you can socially connect and it's acceptable to bring your kids. Yes, it's 
super important. Yes. Yeah. When I was, so I was a stay-at-home mom and, you know, two babies and then three babies. And I didn't have any friends because all the friends that I had had, I worked with. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, and I like didn't even know like how to make friends outside of a work setting. It was such a weird place you don't even think about that like I didn't even know that that was a thing but that's a thing yeah Yeah. it's totally a thing yeah Yeah. and I am so thankful for there's a there's a there's a playroom at the rec center and they during this during the school year the rec center would have like open play hours for like toddlers five and under or something like that and you can go play at the gym and then you could go and we would go into that playroom and through that I was able to uh, build relationships with people over time and spend and so now you know fast forward however many years, a lot of years, um, I'm still really great friends with several of those women, those moms that I met in that space where we were new moms with little children. And that is what carried me through those years. And even now, you know, because now all of our children are teenagers and we're dealing with some really heavy issues and challenges and hardships. And just even being women and adults and humans while we, you know, try to figure out what the heck is going on in life sometimes, you know? Yeah. So finding a support group and going to places where people are experiencing the same things that you are is like absolutely one of the, I think I personally believe one of the best things that you can do for yourself. I agree. And and research shows that, you know, we were talking about um, substance, take the caregivers of um, individuals that experience addiction Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, Peer support is so heavily studied in addictive medicine or addictive treatment mm-hmm. um, as one of the most highly effective. Like that's why you see AA, that's why you see sponsors right. and things like that. Um, way to help people remain in recovery. And I would guarantee it's the same connection is so important in yes. general yes. for us. Um, that being a new mom, you know, and I'm I'm the same as you. I have two under two in two years. Mm-hmm. Um, they're a year and twenty days apart. Mm. I mean, I there are some days I'm just wanting to like <laughs> run in the middle of the street screaming, <laughs> yeah, um, because it's just so hard. But right. to have other moms in my life be like, it was that hard for me, or yeah. I'm going through that right now. It just validates like I'm not losing my mind. Yeah. Um, and so to have that experience, and, you know, I even think, I don't think of myself as a new mom anymore, which is funny because I have almost one and almost two-year-old, mm-hmm. so I am kind of still a new mom. But after baby number two, you become, like, kind of a mom expert, I feel like. Yeah. And everything goes differently with baby number two. Yeah. Um, but it's still helpful to just be able to run things by people. Oh, for sure. And have that shared experience. And that's the biggest piece, I think, just in general with, you know, mental health support is a Mm -hmm. shared experience. Mm -hmm. Well, I was just talking about this exact uh, topic with um, one of my leaders at Tongass Federal Credit Union yesterday, and we were were talking about our branch managers and our branch leaders and how, you know, how can we create a space for them to be able to, like, become, like, mentors and, like, just provide peer support for one another, because in their jobs, it's really difficult. In the work that they do and they're, you know, they're working, they they work with their staff and their team and they do well. But when you are responsible for everything, it's very, very challenging to have to be doing it alone and never have anybody mm-hmm. to talk to about that. So, it, you know, so it's, it's like no matter what, where you are at or what you are doing, this is like you are still human and that opportunity to talk and connect with people who have shared experiences and to sh- and to be able to support another person and have them support you is I mean it really is it's priceless well and I, I think the that's the other piece is like most of the time when we think about accessing mental health services we don't think about going to we don't call a client or a client a counselor right away we usually go to our friends right yep and then we go to our doctor. Yeah. And then maybe we go to a therapist. That's yep. typically the way that I, my friend told me about you or my doctor gave me a list, you know. And so that shared experience, that shared connection and getting that support from what's familiar, I always encourage people, if you're not ready to go to counseling, just talk to a friend mm-hmm. first. 
mm-hmm. and that'll get you kind of on the right path of like what what way I need to go or talk to whoever you feel safest talking to. Yeah. Um, and yeah. shared connection is such a huge space of 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 support. Um, and something uh, my dissertation is on perinatal loss. Um, the impact and meaning of perinatal loss in men mm-hmm. and the impact of grief on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the biggest things, you know, n- not to even just say isolation in moms, but even isolation in, in new dads yeah. and new parents. Yes. Um, you know, men aren't, um, men aren't encouraged to st- uh, assigned gender at birth men, um, cisgender men, are socialized as a shame, shameful to share emotions. Mm-hmm. And so you have us sitting here talking on the air, like, oh, this is what's hard for us moms, you know? But, you know, it's you very rarely are you going to have dads reaching out for this, for, for help. Because right. Right. It's, it's not, it's stigmatized, not encouraged. And so, yeah. you know, there's other things to keep in mind, too, of like, you know, it, is there options for support for dads, which mm-hmm. there really isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more, more geared around moms. As I say this, you know, hosting a mom, right. a mom group. <laughs> but we, I would totally say we welcome, I mean, any Any parent. parent. Yeah. 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 Well, and I think I, I, I love that. And I really appreciate that you bring up, um, I, I, that you bring up men and the challenges that they experience because it is, Oh, there's there really is there's a and us women we know there's just a lot of focus on women and how we are and and building us up and and all and our rights and all of those things and I understand that but men are human and they have their own challenges and struggles and things and um, also so I I appreciate I appreciate that you brought that up yeah when I think that's the other piece I mean stereotypically when you look at daycare issues it's it, it is the, um, the the mother that is quitting the job and staying home with the kids. Mm-hmm. Stereotypically, right? But there are dads that are affected by this too. Right. Um, you know, I have, I have friends that the dad's schedule is more flexible. So the dad is able to provide more of that. Like if daycare is canceled, like dad takes off or dad, you know. So there are other disruptors in, you know, our partner schedule. There are disruptors in our partner schedule, too, mm-hmm. that we don't necessarily, like, the mom kind of gets the the brunt of it, but there are also male partners who get the brunt of it, too. Yes, for um, sure. We can't forget about. So, yeah, yeah, it's very interesting um, time right now. And, you know, you asked earlier, like, what can families do? And we talked a lot about sort of that shared connection again. And there's so many free and low-cost options in town too like there's the rec center in the mm-hmm. summer that offers you know pretty inexpensive childcare, in my opinion yeah um and then there are like the gymnastics club offers the you can't leave your kids there but they have the classes um in the Todd gym and then the library has its um story times every friday right. and they're in there they have a great little kids play center i think now that's open yes um so there's other things like that maybe if working from home is easier if you are able to go to the library and like sit at a you know at a chair while your kid's playing in the play area for an hour. Right. Um, there might be some creative ways to get you know a group of kids together and moms are working while the kids are playing together. Yeah. But those are my or dads you know don't want to um, discriminate. Both, yep. Both. You know, <laughs> um, both parents. Um, but yeah, there might be other ways that you could look at being creative. Like I sometimes will split my kids up and be like, one person take this one, the other person take this one. Mm-hmm. Cause it's a lot easier than to have two under two, um, or work during their nap time. Yes. I, I definitely have done that where they take a three hour nap. Thank goodness. And I work during their nap time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you do what you can do, you know, mm-hmm. and you, it, it goes into being flexible and adaptable and yeah. like knowing that you're not, especially if you have little kids, like it's just going to be hard and then you're going to have to do the things that you can do when you can do them, 
you know? Yep. So if that's nap time or they went to, you know, some sort of event where they're going to be there for two hours, what can you get done during that two hours? Or maybe you just need to take some time for yourself and like breathe and rest and that's okay too. So, right. Yeah. Right. I, yeah. I like how you said take time for yourself too. And that's, I feel like sometimes I feel really pressured and it's not, it's no one pressuring me but myself. Of if I've canceled because of kid sickness, and everybody knows how kid sickness goes, mm-hmm. um, it usually lasts three or four days, and mm-hmm. then they can't go can't go back to daycare until they're symptom free for four, twenty four to forty eight hours without medication. You know, it's, so it's you're you're like looking at a week's vacation essentially. It's not a vacation, but that's what you're looking at right. five days off. Right, and uh, maybe they can get sick on a Thursday or Friday, which would be much more better for your pocketbook and your vacation time. Yeah, um, <laughs> and so I find sometimes I feel this like to like want have to work during their nap time or like have, and it's a it's it's a really kind reminder to be like no like your child needs you yeah it's not like you're just canceling just to sit on the couch and if that's what I was doing because I needed a mental health day then that's what I need to do right um but that can also make people feel like a flake or and yes you know I'm talking from personal experience same I've never missed work more than I have with under two. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have that, a, a, a similar experience and even with my children being older, but I mean, but you're still a parent and you still carry the yeah. responsibilities of, you know, your household and your kids and all of the things. And I, I mean, we talk about, I said grind, use the word grind earlier, like, mm-hmm. you know, and then also my worth is based on my productivity. And yeah. I would just like go and go and go. And I had, you know, a million different irons in a, in a million different fires. And, and then I would be like, gosh, why am I so tired? So then I would be tired and then I would be beating myself up because I was tired and be like, yep. oh, you're so lazy. Oh, you know, you should be doing this and you should be doing that. And th- it took a long time for me to like and learning different techniques and skills to be able to like even when that voice is there to recognize that the voice is there and I don't have to listen to it. Um, mm-hmm. And it's OK for me to do this, um, which has been phenomenal especially with how like my personal response to losing Tatsudas and that traumatic event was that, I mean, I literally like I couldn't get out of bed for, I mean, days Mm. and days and bare minimum, not even the bare minimum. And like, and then it was finally, I was like, I, I have to give myself grace and the time to take the time I need to have so that I can recover from this and so that I can heal. Um, and so I did. But it was hard because and then like other people's pressure, like, oh, why do you still feel like that? You, sh- you know, like, oh, oh yeah. that's still a deal that, you know, that was however that was a year ago. That was, you know, however long ago. Um, yeah. And just being like, this is this is what I need. And this is what I got to take, man. Well, and that's, I, you know, you, you mentioned a few good things is listening to ourselves before we burn out. Mm-hmm. Um, when you get to a place of burnout, sometimes it's hard to come back from that. Mm-hmm. And so it's really important to give yourself grace and space. Um, and then the other piece is we time limit people's grief. Right. Um, and so I, I really struggle with that one um, as a therapist because I've worked with people where they didn't grieve for three years. Right. Where they just moved on with life and right. then they realized I never actually grieved that. Yep. And then I've also worked with people like from day three. They're like, all right, I'm working on this. You yeah. know, everybody experiences it completely different. But right. just because someone wants to deal with it right away or someone wants to have to wait a while, like we all have our own processes and sometimes the shock of it, that takes a year. Yes. Or it, and then it, you haven't it, even dug yet. Yeah, exactly. And that was, you know, like with with the loss of the store, it was we still had so much work and decision making and important phone calls to be on. And like, you know, what are you going to do for the future? Oh, I have to rebuild. And I, oh, now I have to tear down the store. And oh, you know, this and that. And so like I, I personally, like I, I was just like processing just the overwhelm like I was just so overwhelmed I couldn't function and it took well over a year for me the grief to fully like hit me mm-hmm. and um and then it just triggered a bunch of other stuff that I'd been carrying around inside of me and it was a really interesting process but I was even in March I was in my primary uh care provider's office in tears and and she was like I don't think that you've really grieved all of this yet um, you know, and that was what two years after. So yeah, it's a thing. Yeah, 
Yeah. It is a thing. When, yeah. With grief, with grief, I don't think people realize that those are those two are together, but you have to lose something to forgive and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So, and forgiveness is about us and grieving is about us, right? Yeah. It's not about the other person or the event triggers it, but it's about us. Right. And so sometimes we, like, you know, you've got the negotiation where if I would have done this or we would have done that or it just, it, it's, it's such a process and it's not a linear line. Right. And so I think that's a big thing for people to remember, even during COVID is a lot of people, it, or if you're quitting your job because of childcare issues, yeah. like people are grieving their identity. Like, right. I really loved working. Yep. Like I really loved what I do. Yeah. And that's, and that's something, you know, being a part-time stay-at-home mom at, at some point throughout my kid's life, like I really had to be okay with having puke on the front of me. Yeah. And like, and as little as, as minute as that sounds, like I find a lot of value in, and I'm very similar to you where I like to do what I do mm-hmm. um, and I can overdo it and then I crash and burn mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, what do I need to evaluate here? And I'll switch one little thing and then I'll do it again. Yeah. It's a great, it's a great process. It's a right? great process. <laughs> I was, um, I want someone very, very close to me in my life is going through this place where she is, just, she's exhausted from her job. That's high demand, um, very stressful. And she, is she's just really burnt out but she just keeps like pushing herself and pushing herself and pushing herself and then she'll say well today was okay today was okay I didn't do this today and so we've been talking recently about like well and then she went to her doctor and she has some pretty significant health care problems that are going on and you know so we had a conversation about like you know what are you going to do you know this is your one beautiful life it's okay to give yourself permission to stop measuring your worth by how productive you are by what you do and worrying about what people who don't matter say about you you know yeah 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 but then we had to say i had to say so then if you take time you're gonna take time but you have to be sure that you like don't fall back into that cycle again because that's like an ingrained habit that's such an easy thing to pick back up In therapy, we call those maladaptive behaviors. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we learned them as a result of something. Yep. And a lot of times we continue to go back to them because the inner child needs something. Yep. So anytime we go back to that sort of inner child space and you realize like, oh my gosh, this is how I would have responded when I was 13. And when I was 13, I didn't get this need met. I mean, it, it really is sort of this, this attachment yeah. space of, of how we how we grew up. Right. That, over-functioning is a really good way to cope yes. as a kid because it gets yeah. you attention. You know, it gets you what you need. It gets right. you farther. It gets you towards your goals. You know, yeah. it's, a socially acceptable, it's a socially acceptable addiction, to be honest. Yes, it um, is. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And I recognize that in myself. I've had, um, I've had like, conversations with coaches, uh, business coaches. They do life coaching with me, and they're like, <laughs> this is a thing. This is a thing. And um, so, but putting it into those words, like overfunctioning is addictive. Like, yes, it is. I can see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and circling back to just the, this, this last couple of years has been weird. And um, I think being kind and like you said, space and grace, like giving mm-hmm. ourselves space and grace, like when daycare is canceled, you know, asking for what you need. Um, and like, I, I guess the ultimate, obviously like decision is how do we shift our life so we can, our kids can be cared for and we can have this balance. Yeah. Um, and hopefully it doesn't mean loss of a job, you know, hopefully I feel like there's a lot of wonderful employers in Ketchikan mm-hmm. who are incredibly like just kind with, you know, if the employee's getting the job done, let's right. work with them. Right. Absolutely. In my opinion. I, I agree. I agree. I know that there are some that are not great, but, but you got to find the place that works for you. You know, I, there's, there's an organization in town that has a really bad reputation for being an employer, but I, several of, several people that used to work for me are working there. They've been there for a while and they like it. And so mm-hmm. like find what works for you. Yeah. Yep. I think yeah. that's the biggest thing is what works for your family. Yeah. It doesn't have to work for everybody. Right. And the other nice thing, something someone else had brought up when, you know, we were kind of, with COVID and everybody's having daycare issues, um, still having daycare issues, but um, brought up, like, we have a big community of Coast Guard wives. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and some of them stay at home. Mm-hmm. And some of them just want to do a couple kids and, like, make some side income yeah. with their kids at home. Yeah. And so that might be another kind of creative way, like, if you know, you know, a stay-at-home mom, not necessarily in the Coast Guard, um, but just a stay-at-home mom that wants to continue to stay at home with their kids, like, mm-hmm. maybe they would be interested in doing some couple days a week for you of consistent mm-hmm. childcare would mm-hmm. be another yeah. option it, for people. This is also such a great opportunity. You talked, you know, at the at the beginning of the story, show, we were talking about uh, this this growth and entrepreneurship and people were working on their own. This is a huge opportunity for um, for people to uh, who are who would like to get into childcare to earn some extra income, whether you have, you know, do something on a large scale or just bring in one or two children into your home and or, you know, do what you can. But it especially with, I mean, you know, the rising cost of everything and inflation and all of this stuff, and you would be really providing a service. So it's, yeah. yeah. There's definitely child care needed in town. I mean, we, yeah. we've been lucky to have consistent mm-hmm. child care, um, you know, where we know the days off in advance, and obviously with sickness, that kind of throws wrenches and things, but um, that if someone is consistent and involved and safe, yeah. Um, I, I think you should look into opening a child care center and, yes. and it doesn't have a criminal background. Exactly. Um, same, same, so. same, same. That was actually when we were oh, right after the landslide and Deborah and I were working on like, what can we do? How can we bring in, you know, cause we were, I mean, we owed like two and a half million dollars and we didn't know if we were like, we didn't have hardly any money and you know, how can right. we bring in some extra funds? And that was on our list of possibilities of something that, you know, that we were going to do. Turns out we really way over assumed what our capacity was going to be because, you know, it was that shock and denial stage of grief. Oh, totally. um, and yeah. then, and then it hit us like a ton of bricks and all of a sudden I couldn't get a bed and, you know, we didn't spend a lot of time. So it's uh yeah. So, but that's just one of those things. So well, we need are, another job, Catherine. I, I, <laughs> I know there's, I know I thought about it. I really did. I was like, Oh, especially littles. I just love little kids. Well, you so have a much. great new yard too. You I know. A new place a great new yard. Yes. So perfect. Gosh, <laughs> that's it. That's it. I'm having a daycare. Oh man. Oh. Maybe someday, maybe someday. Don't tell your boss on the air. Though. Yeah, I know. Helen, I'm just <laughs> joking. Ha ha. All right. If you want to call me, you just email. No, I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> Accepting applications tomorrow. That's right. Exactly. Awesome. Okay, Brittany, it is the end of our time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for letting me call in, and I, thank you, listeners. Yes, thank you. I appreciate you being on. It's always wonderful to speak with you. Thank you to everybody who's out there who's tuning in. I hope you have a wonderful day. I'm going to be back on the air tomorrow with my friends from the University of Alaska Southeast, including Barbara Morgan, who has I some. Barbara I know Morgan. Barbara is incredible. She's going to come on. She's a marine a biologist, and she's going to come on and talk about like intertidal wildlife and all sorts of other cool stuff. So be sure to tune in tomorrow. I will be back. Have a great day, you guys, and we'll talk to you soon.